0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy podcast with your host, Jeff
1: Brown, and our guest, David Schaefer. Today, we're joined by David Schaefer, and we're going to be talking about what is an EIUL. David, an EIUL is basically a life insurance policy, as you've taught me for years, but it's it's not structured for that primarily. Would you please explain exactly what an EIUL is in layman terms?
0: I'd love to. Its official name is Equity Index Universal Life Insurance, and it's a permanent life insurance policy. And like all permanent life insurance policies, they have an insurance side and they have a savings component or a a way to build up cash inside of them to be able to afford to pay for Life insurance when you hit your 70s and 80s. So that's kind of the design of all permanent life insurance policies. Now, with this particular one, uh, it's a little bit different in that what I do is I structure it for the cash value side as opposed to the, the death benefit side. So I'm always decreasing the amount of death benefit within the policy down as far as the IRS rules will allow me to do that. And what that means is that the cash value side, uh, the money you're building up inside, gets supercharged and and raises at a fairly high rate of return within that. And then when you get to the time that you want to use some of the cash, then you can take the money out of the policy, and uh, there's several different ways of doing it. But in many cases, I suggest this for people who want tax-free retirement income coming out when they hit retirement ages or at least they're 60. So that's kind of the basics of how it works.
1: One of the really attractive uh, factors in the eIuls Dave, is their statement of having no losing years for the policyholder. How do they make that real?
0: Well, it's really one of the uh... – one of the big advances in universal life insurance, and I kind of have to go back this, this a little bit. Previous to uh, introducing equity index universal life, they had a variable universal life product. It's still out there. And that variable universal life allowed you to put the cash value money into mostly mutual funds, but it was fully uh, invested in the market. So you took all the good years as well as all the bad years in the market. Now, that's problematic as it is, but inside an insurance product, it's even more problematic because uh, you have some ongoing expenses, especially in the first few years, that need to be covered. So if you had a really bad year, a minus 30 or minus 40% market year early on, it could uh, cause and did cause uh, in, in 07 and 08 folks that have to add more money into their policy. So in order to avoid that issue, they created equity index universal life, which works like this. They're giving you an interest credit that is connected to the movement of a stock index or a group of stock and bond indexes. And within that, they have certain limitations. For example, when the market indexes go negative, you get a big fat zero. You don't take any of the negative years. When the market goes positive, you get all the positive up to what they call cap rate. And in that, my favorite option right now, that cap rate is 17%. So if you're in my favorite option, every year you know that your cash value is going to go up somewhere between 0 and 17%. And that's really critical, and it's just kind of basic math at this point. Let's just use an example of $1,000 of cash value, or $1,000 in a mutual fund. If the first year you have a negative 50% year, that $1,000 is now 500. Second year you have a positive 50% year, so you're back to even, right? Well, math doesn't work that way. You get a positive 50% on your $500, you have $750 in there. But in the mutual fund world, that means you're even. That means you've got a 0% credit for two years, minus 50 and then plus 50. But in the EIU world, this is what happens. You have that $1,000 of cash value in there. You have a negative 50% year. Well, you still have that $1,000 in there. And then the next year you have a positive 50% year, you're going to get that 17%. So you're going to end up with $1,170 in there as opposed to 750 So you're already ahead $450 after two years. And that's the way it works going forward.
1: Okay. Now, I have maintained for years and years, uh, not only based on my own research, but uh, um, seriously helped by uh, your explanation to me over the years of VIULs that that the EIUL itself as a retirement vehicle is just almost infinitely superior to a work-related 401k. Would you explain why? Sure.
0: There's several issues with work-related 401ks. The first one is called sequence of return risk. All that means is that the The way you get your returns, if you're fully invested in the market in a mutual fund, which is what most people fund their 401Ks with, gives you some very good years, some good years, some bad years, and some really bad years. Well, if you have some of those really bad years leading up to the time you want to use that money for retirement or other uses, then you could be in real problems. And that's actually what happened in 07, 08, and 09, is that people that were getting ready to retire around 2010 to 2015, watch their amounts and their 401Ks go down by as much as 50% over that time period. Well, if you were planning on retiring on a million dollars, and all of a sudden a couple years later it's now $500,000, what does that do to your possibility of taking money out? you know, the general rule of thumb used to be 4% that you could take out per year. It's actually gone down, but we'll just use 4%. And this is an example. If you had a million dollars in there, that 4% would be $40,000 a year without without having to worry about not having have your money uh, totally uh, gone in the future. However, if you have $500,000 in there, that 4% now hits $20,000. So in a, in a time span of three years, many folks found their potential income going down significantly as much as 50%. So within the EIUL, you don't have to worry about that because you don't take those negative numbers. You don't have to worry about if there's a negative year right before you retire or right after you retire. None of that matters. It takes all that variability away. That's the number one thing. Number two thing is taxes. Most people have a regular 401k at work, they put uh, tax money in, um, and, that's, uh, and then they get it, have to take it out. and When they take it out, two things happen. One, they have to pay income tax on it. And second, if they don't abide by all the rules, if they're not 59 and a half, they have to pay a 10% penalty on that. And that's just because you're in a government-sponsored plan. And believe me, the government doesn't create these things in order for it to reduce the amount of income tax it brings in. I'm sure most people would agree with that. So within an EIUL, when you start taking money out, it's not a taxable event. The IRS doesn't even look at it. So you take it out totally tax-free as opposed to, say, 25 to 50% taxable, depending on what state and what your situation is, taking it out of a 401K. And the third and final point is that when you're in a government-sponsored uh, plan, you have all sorts of rules and regulations about when you got to do it, how much you can take out, and when you have to, uh, you can't leave it in there. So uh, you kind of get out of all those rules. This is something that you own, and you make your decisions. When you want to start taking out. it doesn't have to be uh, by age 59 and a half. You don't have to start it, and you can leave it in there forever if you wanted to. There's no rules about what you do with this. And you can adjust it according to your needs of tax-free cash.
1: You've alluded a few times to indexes used in these EIULs, which is why the I is in there, of course. What indexes do you prefer these days and why? Well,
0: the, uh, my number one company right now, and it has been for the last few years, is a company called Minnesota Life. They actually give you five different options. One's a fixed-rate option, and that's not a lot. A lot of the other companies have 20, 25, 30 different index options, and that's all because – Someone somewhere did this research and said, oh, well, baby boomers, they love to have options. And so we're going to give them all the options we have. In my mind, options aren't necessarily a great thing um, because that allows you to monkey around and try to predict the future. So the first thing I want to say about options is that you really ought to set it up with your best best, uh, guess about what's going to happen in the future, whichever uh, index you happen to like the best, and then just leave it there. Don't try to predict what's gonna happen on a year-to-year basis because that's a losing proposition for everybody. The second, uh, to more directly answer the questions is, the one I like is called a blended option. And it has uh, four different indexes in there. It has a bond index, it has the Euro stock uh, 50, it has S&P 500. Anyway, it has four different indexes in there. And the reason I like it is because when I look at what happened if you had gotten this 25 years ago, the actual returns in it, it comes out higher. and I tend to think that what's going to happen in the future is not going to be significantly different than what's happened in the past. So I I kind of like to stick with what I know has been the best performance in the the past. Now, there are other options you can choose from, and there might be some reasons you want to do that. But the key thing is once you put your money into index, you're only in there for a year. After a year, you can change part or all your money to other indexes. So you never get stuck in one index that you don't want to be in. But once again, I always counsel my clients that really want to stay with the index that they're in for a good period of time and not try to make too many changes because chances are you're going to get wrong when you start making changes.
1: Follow-up question on the indexes, Dave. I know that you have uh, federal regulations, I believe, that require you to do, quote, scenarios for uh, potential policies using uh, a maximum that you they allow as far as a percentage return per year on that index. What is that number, and how does that number compare to your actual experience over the last many years of actual index return?
0: Well, the the number changes on an annual basis. Right now the number is 7.1%. And these are relatively new rules that they brought in, um, and I can go into the reasons for them, but uh, they are very conservative. For example, the 25-year look back on the blended option that I was just talking about, 9.24%. The actual 12-year on the S&P 500, on the actual policy, including what the cap rates were each year, is 8.3% for 12 years. So you can see that any way you look at it, they're very conservative. And I don't mind. I've always done conservative illustrations anyway. Uh, now – in my opinion, is kind of a worst-case scenario. What, what if, you know, everything goes wrong? Uh, what, what can you expect? And I think that 7.1% is probably a worst-case scenario. And just to add one more, a couple years ago, Minnesota Life did a study, and they looked at every 20-year period possible from 1900 to uh, to. I think they did the study three years ago. And 100% of the time, the returns in the S&P 500 using this strategy, were higher than 7.7%, 100% of the time. And when you got to 8%, it was like 92% of the time, better than than 8%. So that can give you an idea. History can be a guide. Um, But any way you look at it, the number that you're going to get from me in an illustration is going to be extremely conservative.
1: Just an observation to what you just said. Those relatively high returns, 8% and higher, just below 8%, whatever they are, Combined with no losing years, Uh, that's why Einstein called uh, compounding the eighth wonder of the world. I know that the normal way to do these policies is to have uh, an ongoing premium uh, for years and years until you're ready for retirement. Is there an EIUL type that allows only a few premiums and then you're done?
0: The premium payment can be done in a lot of different ways. There is a way to max, I call it max funding it. Basically, if you have a store of cash, let's just say it's $500,000, you want to get into this policy as fast as possible. The way to do that is you have to make five equal payments over four years in a day of $100,000. So the least amount of time is four years in a day to get that in there. Now, I've had clients do all sorts of different things from that four years in a day all the way up to retirement age. I have a lot of clients that don't want to pay all the way up to retirement age. They have a a good amount of income that they could put in there so they'll they'll uh, put a lot of it in for maybe ten, twelve, or fifteen years as opposed to going right up to into their sixties the The rule of thumb is this is that you want to get the premium and as fast as you can, given your particular financial situation. So for a lot of my younger clients, that means a you know, monthly input right up to retirement age, because that's what they can do. For some of my older clients, they have more assets, more money, more higher incomes, and they can do it quicker.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, David. And we'll catch you all next time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, David Schaefer